0: Let's open up to John chapter 3, as promised. John chapter 3. This is a passage that you all should know very well. So that's a challenge. <laughs> John chapter 3. To us, filled with the Spirit, it all makes sense. Um, I remember before coming to the Revival Fellowship, um, the whole term, being born again, was really fluffy. It was just, uh, it didn't make any sense. Oh, they say such and such was born again. Oh, born again this. And it's just so fluffy. And uh, and I guess um, I was surprised that it is in the Bible, that uh, it is actually a scriptural thing to be born again. It's just another one of those things that's watered down uh, by uh, religion. So, um, sorry, the title of this Uh, passage of scriptures is overcome. So we'll start here in uh, John chapter 3 and verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel or a teacher of Israel, someone uh, with knowledge uh, who, uh, who is in a position to impart that knowledge and understanding, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things and ye believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things, and no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven? so this uh we often stop uh, reading at uh, verse eight because that encapsulates the whole ne- uh, how necessary it is to be born again and uh, and it grabs hold of that very clearly as well, and says clarifies it and says you must be born of water and of the Spirit. And uh, being born of water is baptism by full immersion. Being born of the Spirit is receiving the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. And that's when you become a spiritual individual. The umbilical cord's being cut um, and you cry out uh, this praise language. And uh, I've always loved uh, verse 8, the uh, the description there, an earthly example uh, growing up in the in the country and there's plenty of trees around. Um, yeah, the wind blows uh, where it does. Uh, you don't know where it starts or where it goes, but you can hear the sound as it blows through the trees. And uh, later on, I, um, I did a little bit of sailing and it fascinated me that on the ocean or on a body of water, there'd be wind here but no wind there. Like wind to me was this thing that... Um, just was everywhere, blue, but you can have a gust of wind here and then you can see on the water the ripples of the wind there, but then over there there's none. So as a sailor, you try to follow where the wind is. Um, and so you can see the effect of the wind and, uh, and that's something that uh, is a natural example that we understand and can grab hold of. And that's why Jesus was particularly annoyed at Nicodemus and saying, look, I've explained you earthly things here. I've even dumbed it down and I said, wind, you know, wind in trees. It makes a sound. You you can't actually tell where it starts. You can't pinpoint it. Oh, this is where it starts. And you can't tell where it stops. Um, And Nicodemus didn't understand. And it's on top of the whole uh, being born thing, you know, again. Because he was so caught up in the the natural mindset of, like, oh, the natural birth of going back into the womb. Um, And... So that's the same as being born with the Spirit. You don't know where it comes from or where it goes. It's somewhere in this tabernacle, uh, but you know it's there. You speak in tongues. And, uh, and And then also the last verse, verse 13, it says, No man has ascended up to heaven but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man. So the Son of Man we know refers to, that's how Jesus referred to himself. Only a couple of times he alluded to him being the son of God, but being the son of man, he was born of woman. And it says, no man has ascended up to heaven but he that came down, even the son of man which is in heaven. (laughs) So it's a a lot of present tense there, and Jesus at the time is walking on the face of the earth. So there'll be a reference later that kind of explains that a bit more fully, uh, that Jesus Christ... Was in heaven and uh, ascended up to heaven and came down from heaven. And so, this here, this is uh, these verses here, the born again experience is where it all started, okay? And we can reflect on that time because it was such a, an important time in our life. When we were baptized, uh, received the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues, we can narrow it down pretty well, uh, even if we can't remember the exact date or time, we remember what happened in our life as being pretty important. And that was the born again. That was when it started. That's when our walk started. Um, and from there, there's time for us to uh, live here on earth. And the title of the talk is Overcome. There's things to overcome while we're here on earth. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us that path that is set before us from that point of when we were born again looking unto jesus the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of god for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Okay, that's encouragement that we don't weary and faint. That's part of that overcoming thing. Verse four ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth if ye endure chastening god dealeth with you as with sons for what son is he whom the father chasteneth not so he cares about us and he wants to guide us and uh, he doesn't want to leave us to our own devices and figure it out ourselves he wants to teach us and part of that It uses the word chastening, that scolding every now and again, but it's all uh, knocking us into line because he cares for us. He knows the path that he wants us to follow, and we wobble around a bit. We're human beings, and so he he wants us to stay there. Because if he um, was a lazy god and thought, oh, okay, you can figure it out yourself, you know, uh, but he cares and he wants to put effort into our life, and so we reciprocate in being patient with the chastening. Uh, we reciprocate in, in uh, realizing that, hey, this stuff's happening in my life because God cares for me. You know, He loves me. Because, uh, like it says there, for what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? You know, like uh, it's a son that is, is not considered a son. Here we go. Sorry, it goes on. Verse 8. But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh. There's there's an earthly example for us to draw upon. We have fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence as was due, you know, as was due our parents. Shall we not much rather be in subjection? See, that horrible word, subjection, People are uh, uh, so afraid of being in subjection, submissive. You know, it, there's so many negative connotations to it. But in the kingdom of God, subjection, submissiveness to his ways, it's so important, humility. These are words that are important in the kingdom of God. Shall we not uh, much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live, you know, for they, i.e. our earthly father, They verily, for a few days, you know, only until we were about 18 or whenever we left home, chastened us after their own pleasure, after their own wisdom, what they thought was right within themselves, what they were taught by their previous generation. But he, God, for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous, nevertheless, Afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them, which are exercised thereby and I was just thinking there the uh, chastening for the present uh, is not joyous but grievous, and I always think of mum when she was annoyed, it only ever happened once when she was uh, annoyed at me, and off her slipper came and <laughs> chased me around the house and it was it wasn 't fun, but the interesting thing about my mum is she let me calm down for a while and she'd come in and she'd explain and she just said, look, I don't like doing this but I want you to grow up as a man who knows what's right and wrong. Now, whether that panned out the way she wished but, uh, but that was she put the effort in, right, for that time of when I was under the, in the household uh, hoping for a good outcome and so it's the same with God. And his chastening's not joyous, but it's grievous. And then it goes on, the last half of verse 11, nevertheless afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised uh, thereby, unto them that are in subjection and submissive to God's ways. Uh, Verse 12, wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down, you know, be uh, be strong and uh, active and the feeble knees and make straight the paths for your feet lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. So we go through this passage that I've read. We've been born again, great joy. There's a lot to learn. There's a life to lead. And the God God guides us and chastens us and teaches us. And uh, there's a time element there. There's an overcoming element there that uh, not to be despondent. And praise the Lord, God has an amazing way to knock us into line. Um, he has a wisdom that far exceeds anything that uh, we see here on earth. Uh, certainly in my life, that uh, there's periods of chastening that I've had, and I thought, wow, God did a pretty good job there. Um, he, he knows how to touch us and to teach us, and uh, but there's each time there's this chastening or this guidance required, what's required in us is an overcoming and realize that this is good for us. But then I read on to verse 14, because it says, "Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. So that's an overcoming as well. Overcoming is to follow peace with all men. You know, be peaceable and holiness, you know, uh, that uh, representative uh, of, a representative of God here on earth. Because without that, you know, without that overcoming and that trust in the Lord that he knows what he's doing and having, okay, peace with all men, without that, no man shall see the Lord. And, uh, and so it's so important in that way to, uh, to rely on him to help us with our overcoming. Um, talking about overcoming, I'll, um, is anybody too cold? Just a tiny bit. Well, the back heat is on. Anybody too hot? No? Um, yeah, I might leave it for a little while. I might give it a little blast. Um, I'll give it a blast now. Um, okay, over to 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15. Pardon? Oh, no, leave it open, thanks, because it allows a bit of airflow as well, because we've got the back door shut. Thank you, Alistair. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 22. So 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 22. And this here is Samuel talking to Saul and it says, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? So where does the Lord see what's priority You know, the sacrificing and offerings and so forth, uh, which is in your own strength, or obeying. That word obey, again, (laughs) that word obey um, is uh, not a popular word nowadays or ever. You know, there's nothing new under the sun, but obey is that submissive attitude to the things of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams, you know, the Lord seeks those who will obey his, uh, his word and his word can be confronting. His word can uh, lead to change that's required in your life. Uh, so to overcome. And then here in verse 23, it says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry because thou hast rejected the word of the lord he hath also rejected thee from being king so here rebellion rebellion against god's ways wanton rebellion premeditated rebellion is like witchcraft it's the sin of rebellion is similar to the sin of witchcraft but then there's this stubbornness aspect okay now the lord wants us to be stubborn in a way of like uh, having a forward like flint like determined to follow his ways there's a Stubborn aspect there to follow his way. But this here is stubbornness that my way's better. You know, my way's better. I know better. You know, uh, I was taught this by my parents, grandparents, but it's passed down through generation, this attitude of the way it should be, of what's right. It, when it conflicts with the things of the scriptures, that is like iniquity and idolatry. You know, worshipping another god. That's what idolatry means, is worshipping another God, a God apart from the true and living God. And, uh, and these are, these here, Samuel refers to, like rebellion is in the heart, stubbornness is in the heart. It's not uh, an object, it's something within the person. And, uh, and so for us to remain uh, subject to uh, God's ways, humble to God's ways, there's this effort as well to keep the rebellion away and the stubbornness away. Uh, That's part of the overcoming. Um, And because of these strong terms that God puts here, rebellion is like witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Uh, Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs 13. This is the scripture that's on the newsletter, and it's been rattling around in my mind ever since I plonked it on the uh, newsletter, Proverbs chapter 13. It was actually uh, referred to during the combined meeting in Perth. It wasn't read, but it was referred to. Proverbs 13 and verse 10. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 10. Only by pride cometh contention. So I'll stop there, I'll read the next half later. So contention is an argument. So think about all the arguments you've been involved in. And I'm sure not a lot of us enjoy arguing, but it's only by pride that leads to that argument. So look back at the arguments you've had and think about the pride that you had that led to that argument. I love how there's only... Uh, six words there. The Lord crushes it down to six words and says, look, you're having arguments and it started because of pride. And this talks about overcoming. Okay, overcoming is staying out of arguments, staying out of contention. Um, And that is also being careful with pride. I mean, it says elsewhere... In Proverbs, the pride comes before destruction. And if you lead a life full of arguing, it's a pretty destructive life, isn't it? But yeah, that was so clear. And then it says, contrary but with the well-advised is wisdom. And we have the well-advised. We've got the scriptures here. We've got people who have led lives in the Lord, obtained answers, been humbled That's an important part of overcoming is being humbled by the Lord to be built back up again. There's well advised that there is wisdom to help us to overcome and to reduce the contention. Reduce that contention that there may be peace. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to pick on a character, we'll flip back to 1 Timothy as well, Um, a character that uh, Paul mentions to Timothy twice, and uh, here's the first one, 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we'll start in verse 14, of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit but to the subverting of the hearers, in other words, the converting of the hearers, that they also may be baptised, spirit-filled, walk on in truth. Verse 15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat As doth a canker, of whom is Hymenius and Philetus. So, this is part of the overcoming, being able to rightly divide the word of truth, to shun those things that don't make sense, that uh, increase to more ungodliness, to focus on those things that increase to more godliness. And then he highlights and says, look, that sort of talk, that actually eats like a canker, like a rust. It eats away, it breaks down. So part of our overcoming is latching hold of those things that are good and um, pushing to the side where it belongs, vain and profane babblings that lead to ungodliness. And then he refers to this Hymenius, but also Philetus. they are obviously two characters that um, were... Part of this vain babblings and increasing to more ungodliness, all that chat and so forth, breaking things down. And uh, a canker means that it affects other people, uh, affects their uh, ability to overcome. You know, these are things that we all must overcome. But then we go to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 18. First Timothy chapter one, verse eighteen, and it says, "This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck, that destruction of whom is Hymenius and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. So, this whole overcoming thing, Paul has picked three people: Hymenius, Philetus, and Alexander, saying, Look, they must stop what they're doing. You know, uh, it's, uh, it's causing shipwreck, it's a canker, it's spreading, it's, it's, it's ungodliness. Uh, and so, what, why I read this, we, we read earlier about uh, that chastisement of the Lord and, and these three people would have been pulled up and said, look, you must stop what you're doing because it's not, that's uh, good for the kingdom of God. Um, that's the whole delivered under Satan, like um, going through the things with them to, so that they can learn and grow and overcome themselves. The end result is that they may learn not to blaspheme, uh, be stubborn, rebellious, that they, uh, that they may learn to be subject to the will of God, to obey the will of God, um, and then overcome themselves and grow and flourish and bear fruit in the kingdom of God. So these examples that are in the Bible, we... Can all go through thee. I know I've been a similar thing to Hymenius myself, and I was uh, pulled up on it. It's a human thing to do. And then, but the aim of it was that we don't blaspheme and we grow and we overcome. There's so many things to overcome so that we remain in the kingdom of God. And these are examples that uh, that we have that we can read. Psalm chapter thirty-four. Psalm thirty-four. Psalm chapter thirty-four, and verse seventeen. Psalm chapter 34 and uh, verse 17. The righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. So as we go through and uh, things happen, we are chastised by the Lord, we cry unto him, or there's other things that happen. The Lord hears and he delivers us out of our troubles, helps us to overcome. Verse 18. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Great verses that we know well. And uh, the Lord acknowledges that, yes, there are many afflictions of the righteous, those that are trying to follow God's ways, to be godly, uh, holy, separate. Uh, Many are the afflictions, but the Lord helps us and delivers us as we overcome these many afflictions. And that important thing, which I love, verse 18, the Lord is near, close to. He can come close to those that have a broken heart, that are, that are broken down. It's like, oh, I have no strength in me, Lord. You know, you are my all in all. He's close to them that uh, call out to him. And he saves, he picks up, he builds up those that are of a contrite or crushed spirit. These are attitudes that he likes to see in human beings because he can work with them, mould them, change them in, and fashion them in the way that he wants us to be fashioned. But rebellion and uh, uh, stubbornness and all those things he can't work with. Um, and if we do this um, not to be afraid of weakness, and that's another thing I've said a few times over past is not to be afraid of weakness and um, I'm sure there's times that all of us are afraid of weakness putting yourself into a position of weakness it's a a challenge but what the Lord is encouraging us here that's how we overcome because we rely on him then we have that broken heart that contrite spirit Lord build me up help me you know uh, I am weak but thou art strong and, uh, and he will guide us and, and strengthen us. Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. And verse 22. So we've got a bit of reading here, Luke chapter 12 and verse 22. And he, being Jesus Christ, said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat, neither for the body what you shall put on. The life is more than meat. There's more to life than just food. And the body is more than just the clothes that's put on it. Verse 24, consider the ravens. For they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you, with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow, they toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not, ye, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind, for all these things do the nations of the world seek after and your father knoweth that you have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that you have, give alms, provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, There will your heart be also. So we'll stop there. Um, So the example in 24 about the birds, that they neither sow nor reap and they don't have storehouses. It's just amazing how these animals can live, isn't it? Uh, It's just amazing how they know where food is as well. Um, And the Lord provides for them. So aren't we greater than that? Aren't we greater than that, that the Lord will help us overcome if we look to him, he'll he'll clothe us, he'll provide for us if we rely on him. So uh, seek not what we will eat or what we'll drink, neither be of doubtful mind, for all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your father, which is in heaven, knows that we need these things he 's obligated to provide he's obligated to help us overcome he's obligated to uh to provide for us to uh, to teach us but then where it says in verse thirty four where your treasure is there will your heart be also like is our treasure here on earth or is our treasure in the kingdom of god it says in thirty three um, Provide yourselves bags which wax wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth doth corrupt. The treasures, the things we have here on earth, can be taken away. Uh, It breaks down, it falls to pieces, needs to be repaired. But the true treasure that God wants our, our focus to be on, so that then He can provide the other stuff that we need here on earth. There's treasures that uh, do not fail and there's no thief that can take it away. Now, I used to think this whole treasures in heaven was something, and there is an aspect of that, that we get it back when we're raised up to meet the Lord in the air. But the treasures that he's talking about are with us now. like We uh, have access to these treasures. If we have our priority with the Lord. So because we're part of the kingdom of God and we lay up treasure in the kingdom of God, we have access to it now. And the things are, these things that no thief can take away from us, that no moth can eat, the things that stay with us are things like joy, peace, love, contentment, comfort, steadfastness, confidence. They are the things that if we uh, continue following his ways, continuing to put effort in, we lay up treasure in heaven and that's the treasure. There's no thief that's going to break down our door and remove steadfastness or take away love. You know, that's with us if we've got God as our priority. We've got God as our priority, and we can experience joy, peace, love, contentment, comfort. Comfort's another beautiful thing, isn't it? To be comfortable, steadfastness, immovable, knowing God is our God. Confidence as well. Confidence that he'll follow you as well and that he guides you. We'll go on to verse 35. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord, when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet. He will serve us and will come forth and serve them. And if ye shall come in the second watch, sorry, and if he shall come in the second watch, or come in the third watch, and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. in other words, be ready. Be determined to overcome. Be determined to be there when Jesus returns. Be determined to prove that you are still faithful. You're still praying to God. You're still looking to God. Regardless of how you feel within you, you're still praying to God. You're watching. You've got your priorities there on the kingdom of God. And you're overcoming. I'll just turn this off. Um, back to, uh, oh, up to chapter 17, Luke chapter 17. The penultimate scripture. <laughs> I nearly dropped it. <laughs> um, Luke chapter 17 and uh, verse 20. Luke 17 and verse 20. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo, here or lo, there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Right? There's the clarity. The kingdom of God is in, within us. Jesus said it. We carry the kingdom of God around with us. We're laying up treasure in heaven. We're laying it up in us. Verse 22, and he said unto the disciples, the days will come when you shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man. We look forward to that. That's our desire, and you shall not see it. It'll, it'll be, uh, be in the future. And they shall say to you, see here or see there. Go not after them, nor follow them. Um, that there I think of um, fables. Old wives' tales, you know, oh, don't be drawn away if someone says, oh, there's the son of man. Don't get drawn away for that. It'll eat up like a canker. Verse 24, for as the lightning that lighteneth out of the one part under heaven, shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the son of man be in his day. It'll be obvious. But first must he suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. And that there, it refers to elsewhere that Noah was a preacher of righteousness, he was out witnessing to everyone. Come on, turn from your ways. I'm building this ark. That's the salvation message today. I'm building this ark. Jump in. He was a preacher of righteousness for about a 100 years. And life still kept going on. It's all right, Noah. Tomorrow will come, just as today was tomorrow once. It'll just keep going. We'll, uh, my kids are being married. They've got kids. They've got kids as well. And we're eating and drinking. Life just goes on. And that's Today. Jesus is saying the same thing will happen when we're all waiting for the Son of Man. So don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. Overcome. And then verse 28, Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus, Shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed? In that day, he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. It's kind of referring to another instance, but you can imagine that when the Lord comes back, your focus would be to go to him. Not like, oh, wait a minute, Lord you know, I've got my favourite little teddy that I want to take with me. No, you go straight there. You, you, you've you got that single mindset. And then the warning is, remember Lot's wife. Where our treasure is, that's where our heart is. Our heart uh, is in the kingdom of God. Our treasure's there. So remember Lot's wife. There was treasure back in Sodom that she yearned for and looked back. Our yearning is to be with God. God forever. Our yearning for that far exceeds our yearning to put food in our stomach and clothes on our back, which we need, the Lord will provide. But we have that full-on mindset when the Lord's back, right, that's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. Verse 33, whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. In other words, give up your life for the things of Lord. He will not be a debtor. I tell you, in that night there shall be two men in one bed. The one shall be taken and the other shall be left. Two women shall be grinding together. The one shall be taken and the other left. Two men shall be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. And they answered and said unto him, Where, Lord? And he said unto them, Wheresoever the body is, thither will the eagles be gathered together. So he's saying it's an obvious sign, just like lightning. It's obvious. There's all these eagles or vultures that circle over the carcass. Has anybody seen that on tell Yeah, you have. Yeah. It's amazing, a huge column. They're, uh, they're up on their, uh, the thermals and they're just gliding up on the thermals and it's just a column of, um, of vultures. And you can see them from a way off, and, uh, and that's what it's like. You'll know what's going on. But also, I see that as, look, hey, as an assembly, this is a natural example, an example of the earth, where the carcass is, and all the eagles come to that. You know, we just fly in from wherever we are to be part of, part of the meeting and here. You know, uh, that's the food we're getting our sustenance from. And here as well, it says that uh, there'll be two men in a bed, there'll be two women grinding together, there'll be men in the field. That there means we don't know when the Lord's going to come back. One part of the earth will be night time. Another time will be in the morning. Another time will be during the day when the Lord comes back for us to be raised up and uh, for us to be swept up Those that overcome, enter the joy of the Lord. Last uh, group of scriptures, Revelation chapter 2. I referred to this uh, recently and I thought I'd read it out since um, the title of this passage of scriptures is called Overcome. So Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3 is the the revelation of the uh, different churches and these... Represent time, periods of time uh, in history, and uh, we know and understand that we're in the Laodicean age at the moment. So, right up to now, we went through the people were saints, were part of these different church ages. And at the end of each description, I'll read uh, passages at the end of each description. So, uh, Revelation chapter 2, which is uh, about the church at Ephesus, verse 7 says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. The tree of life where we can live forever. That's the tree of life. The tree of life was in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve could eat of that then. But then uh, they sinned. And then the tree of life was protected so no man could eat it. But if we overcome, we'll eat of the tree of life. We will live forever. And then verse 11, the church at Smyrna. Smyrna, verse 11. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. And we read that elsewhere, that uh, when Jesus comes back, we we'll raised up to meet him in the air, and there'll be no, what's known as a second death later. Revelation, which is a symbolic book, refers to a thousand years. So that thousand years is symbolic. Somehow there'll be a second death where those, uh, will, everyone else will be raised up and those that uh, the Lord judges will, uh, will be cast into outer darkness. So those that overcome us will not be hurt the second death, will be part of the f- first resurrection. The church at Pergamos, down in verse 17, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, also which leads to eternal life, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving him, he, he that receiveth it. We'll have a whole new name, a whole new identity. We'll represent something new, a whole marvellous new beginning, those that overcome. To the church at Thyatira in verse 26. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received my Father. And I will give him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. In other words, the, the powers of this earth will not affect us. They will not hold us back from being with our Father in heaven. That, uh, that it, They'll be broken uh, and will be raised up him that overcomes, to the church at Sardis in chapter 3 and verse 5, he that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, that cloak of righteousness, that purity, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And to the angel at Philadelphia in verse 12. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. He'll be solid and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is new Jerusalem, spiritual Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. The church at Laodicea in verse 21. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. And I read that out recently. We will be sitting together with Jesus spiritually in his throne, which he earned when he was crucified. Even as I also overcame i.e. even as Jesus Christ overcame, and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Seven marvellous points of encouragement for us to overcome, for us to overcome and continue to look to him and not be disheartened. And each one of them had a comment and said that he's a, that has an ear, an open ear, Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Hear it. Understand it. It's important. It helps us and encourages us so that we are there when Jesus comes back. Okay, thank you.